If you like what we're doing at Star Wars in Character and at NeoZaz.com, we kindly ask that you take just a few minutes to check out our new Patreon page. Patreon is an opportunity to support the show and help us produce more specials, series, and events in the future. Check out patreon.com slash neozaz to see our milestone goals for the future of the show and the network and the perks and bonuses offered at our different levels of support. We love creating content at Neozaz and love doing these shows. We have a lot more we'd like to do, and with this new Patreon page, we look forward to starting those projects very soon. To learn more, visit patreon.com slash neozaz. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash n-e-o-z-a-z. This is Star Wars in Character, the podcast that takes a closer look at some of the elements that make up the Star Wars universe. Backstories. Histories. And details. You never knew. Wanted to know. Or ever need to know. Now here are this week's panelists of Star Wars in Character. Welcome to another special episode of the Star Wars in Character podcast. We are on another break week and we are presenting another Inside the Star Wars in Character Studio. I think it's Inside the Swick Studio. One of those two. And this is the fifth one. You'd think I'd remember by now, but I don't. And with... Oh, wait. No, that's like... It's like the... No, it's the fifth one. I don't even know. Um, And with it being the fifth one, it is my turn to sit on the other side of the mic, in a sense, and get the questions asked to me. So to help me do that, once again, joining me for this episode is Dave. Dave, thanks for joining me tonight. It's my pleasure. And Dave, as we just discussed off off recording a little bit, you've gone through the questions I've written out for other guys and added some of your own and I guess made it a hybrid of them. And I will just now turn the show over to you and sit back and see what it's like answering these stupid questions I thought of all those months ago. (laughs) See how you like it. That's right. Yeah. You son of a bitch. (laughs) Is this the first interview that started with somebody calling someone a son of a bitch? <laughs> it's the first one on Nia's ass. I'll go with that. Oh, okay. That probably happened with your interview with Christy. It just didn't make <laughs> That's true, yeah. I'm sure she said that at some point, right? Yeah, I'm sure. She's like, I'm sick, you son of a bitch. You want me to do this interview? <laughs> yeah, it just got cut out. That's very likely what happened. That's why I control every second of audio that goes through this network. You're such a control freak. Oh, you have no idea. Well, good. I'm glad that answers my first question. That is check (laughs) question one. (laughs) So I've kind of taken in listening to the other interviews and and doing the one that I did, taken your lead on this. And you you seem to start out by asking the interviewee their Star Wars background and, and how you got hooked on Star Wars as a small child. I think our stories are pretty similar, but is there anything different about yours, your, your, your early Star Wars memories that would one day lead you to being involved with this show? No, I think you're right. I think you and I have very similar stories. Uh, the only difference that might be in our stories is that I did not see Star Wars for a full year until it came out. And I think I've told this story on the show, but if I haven't, or if it's been a while, my parents are just not crowd people. And I've inherited much of that from them. And can't stand necessarily being around crowds. I, I certainly make it exceptions, concert, different events, and whatnot. But generally, I like to be in small groups. 
So they've watched all the hype and everything on the news covering this phenomenon of Star Wars, and my father refused to go see it until it died down. And a year later, him and I go to a theater in King of Prussia. No idea what its name is. And we get there an hour early because he's convinced there's lines, and it's just us two waiting for an hour (laughs) to finally see Star Wars. So much of my exposure before the movie was toys and merchandise and whatnot that my friends were getting, and I was getting, even though I hadn't seen the the story, the movie yet. But after Star Wars, we would see Empire and Jedi uh, within a week or two of it opening, and then everything else is probably, like I said, probably a lot like your story. You're exactly right. Right. Well, I I guess that's I, I guess our stories are much like our listeners' stories. For the most part, and maybe that's why the listeners that we've come to know and have been pretty devoted listeners like our show because they, there's a sense of kinship with us that, that we have with each other. If you're about our age and you went through this, your story's probably pretty similar. Right, right. Well, then that leads into your 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 next line of questioning for everybody and how you met the fine folks involved with this show. <laughs> um, some of these were covered, but do you have any different spin on these things? I know that you and Chris became friends in drama class mm-hmm. in high school and then within the theater. Is there anything about that that he didn't touch on that you would like to? Mm, man, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know if him and I ever worked directly on anything in drama class together. I don't think we did. We, we did meet and... Hmm. I don't think we ever acted together because we had to act something out like every week or every two weeks. I don't think we actually ever did that together. I think we may have really met each other in the theater. Did you ever take that class in high school? We went to the same high school. I think everyone knows that. No, I was an art major. Okay. So my schedule, I, my schedule was basically my core content subjects and art all day long. That probably would, that would have fit in, yeah. but, but well, no, I didn't have it. The uh, class was split between the year half the year was actually drama and performing the other half was set design and building with the famous art teacher that we always talk about on the show Mm -hmm. and uh, i think that might be where me and chris really got to know each other because that was very large group focused projects acting we kind of started out with like a few people and then went and then the final was a monologue and whereas this theater design and building and making costumes we all always worked in groups so i'm gonna guess that if i can add anything to that story we really met in that portion of the class. Not that that's interesting to anybody. In fact, I kind of bored myself telling that story, but there you go. <laughs> we we can do a, a whole show just about that art teacher. We could do a whole show about a whole line of teachers in our school. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, what about Tim then? Tim, I don't think I met till the theater. I don't even think I really knew who Tim really was. Now, I'm reminded, this is funny. I was reminded talking to him and Chris that we did work with his sister first, and I, I had forgotten about that. I knew I knew his sister, but I forgot that's who we had worked with first. So maybe I knew she had a brother because she brought him in, but didn't know him in school. Of all of, of, all of us, I am the oldest by a year, which puts me a, a year further behind Tim. So I think he may have been a freshman. As I was graduating, so no, no real time to ever having gotten to meet Tim until the theater days, and once he kind of got in the theater and got to know all of us, he fit right in with with that that group that we had. Kind of, well, most of us, if not all of us, at the theater were friends. He fit in just fine. Got to know him. Had a lot of fun with him. We did a lot of 
different after hour projects, which we just, I just uncovered that very first one, that diehard um, parody, and I put it on the USB driver, giving out at our event at Anaheim. So a new <laughs> generation of people will be exposed to that mess, but had a lot of fun with him. He fit in, he fit in well. We had fun. We talked and he always was good for a laugh. So that's, but, but met him at the theater, the theater we talk about on the show all the time. That's where I met Tim. Yeah. It's funny in in talking about those guys and thinking about those old theater days, which is a whole nother podcast. Um, neither of them has changed a whole lot. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> in 25 years, like Tim, Tim has always marched to his own drummer and he did then. And he does now. And Chris has always been the, the, um, tornado of of, <laughs> yeah. of like energy and and hilarity that he was then and now like they haven't changed much no you're right you're absolutely right it's it's it, it it's it's kind of admirable in a way i mean I, it, I i think of the four of us you and i are probably a lot different than we were back in those days i would agree they're not yeah. much they're not much different no no and even throwing fatherhood in that with chris and just to say I don't know if I've ever, I'm sure I told him this, but I don't know if I've ever had a chance to say on a show. He's, I think, a wonderful father. I We know a lot of married, well, not even married couples, but we know a lot of parents here that are friends of ours, and I'm not going to say any of them are bad, but Chris is one of the best parents I know, and you would never think that would happen growing up with him. Right. And I don't mean that insultingly. I mean that I, I, I'm trying to make a compliment that probably didn't come out right, but I am certainly trying to compliment him. But and able to do that and maintain who he's been and always been is is really my point. It's he's really an interesting guy when you think of things like that. Right. Well, then what? I know. I don't know. I know. We talked about this as far as when you and I met, and it was probably some similar things too with the, the theater and having known family, like parts of your family being friends of mine. So we kind of like knew each other right from that, but becoming better friends because of that, that movie theater. Yeah, definitely. That's where we got to know each other. I, I think you and I have virtually known who each other are most of our lives because of, uh, uh my cousin, my aunt and uncle. And I believe was your, were your parents, your parents were friends with my aunt and uncle, right? That's how that all came about or not. My dad and mom graduated high school okay. with, your, with your aunt. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. And I do. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I've known who you are. I do have, this is funny. I, I was, I, I wanted, if you weren't going to get to this, I was going to bring this up. I don't remember this by any means, but I have physical evidence of you and I, you and I having met somewhere around age eight or nine hmm. because i have as a my mother gave my wife a photo album of like select photos of me throughout my life as as one of her wedding gifts and there's a picture at my cousin's birthday and i'm in it and i can't tell if the candle says eight or nine or maybe even six i don't know what it is it's a roundish number and i didn't notice it on the first viewing i probably didn't notice it on the second viewing but at one time years and years later and Christy had met you. We're looking at this picture. I go, holy shit, that's Dave. <laughs> and so I do have a picture in my house somewhere of you and I at a very early age. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that event, but. <laughs> I don't either. Yeah. In this case, my memory is like Chris. I don't <laughs> right. remember anything. Um, 
Now, we, we worked at the theater together, and at some point, you do move away. You move, you move out of the country. You move right. to Puerto, Puerto Rico. Yes, of you're, all places. Of all places. Now, you're not only totally removed from Star Wars, but you're totally removed from American culture. You've told the story several times about how you ended up liking, at least on some level, something like the Spice Girls because yep. it was the only English you were hearing because it was on the radio all the time. Uh, yeah, their it's, first album is like just when I, I still listen, I can still listen to it now with fond memories because like that was my break from all the. I learned to like Spanish music, but when I first moved there, the Spice Girls was the only English music. So that was like my salvation as I was learning Spanish. Yes, you're absolutely right. So. I guess my question is, how are you dealing? We've talked about what we've we've deemed the dark ages in mm-hmm. Star Wars, which would have been before the '97 re-releases, and it probably would have been in that in that time frame for you. How are you dealing with the the Star Wars dark ages? Is it something that you're longing for? Like you're longing to talk about Star Wars? Is it something that you're not even thinking about? I'm not really thinking about it at this point in my life because I moved out there for a job and it was it was a it was a startup situation but not a Silicon Valley startup by any means and I was working really really hard and working a lot so I never really thought about it and I think if I had any thoughts about it it was when I'd get letters this is well before email I was using AOL for any kind of internet connection when I could, which wasn't very often uh, because I didn't have the money and the connection wasn't good from out of the country. And it wasn't, there was no internet service where I was. It didn't really even exist back then. Um, but my point is if I ever had any kind of star Wars interaction, it was either a letter from you or Chris, or maybe our, our other friend, Dave, who we mentioned a lot mentioning these re-releases coming out. And that was it. Otherwise, there was no opportunity to follow it. And honestly, I just was too busy to even think about it at that point in my life. Right. When were you getting a sense when you were getting these letters and any kind of news about these re-releases? Because that was, I mean, even me of, of, of all of us, like not being as huge a fan, not that I'm, I don't love it, but like compared to Chris and Tim, it's like, you know, it's tempered. Mm -hmm. I was really, really excited. I was Oh, go ahead. Oh, I guess I'm just wondering if you're, are you kind of sad you're missing out on it? Maybe even jealous to a certain extent that you're not getting to experience this. I was still in the country literally weeks uh, after the first uh, Star Wars, A New Hope had come out, the special edition. So I got to experience that. I got to see that. I did see Empire and... uh, Return of the Jedi in Spanish theaters, which I've told that story before with nobody else on opening weekend. And uh, but so I did at least get to see the first big movie and I was really excited about it. In fact, I had bought, uh, what was it called? I think it was called, oh, I don't know what it was called. Behind the Magic, maybe something. It was a special CD-ROM that came out that was basically a documentary for the special edition and a, and a marketing tool, but a, mainly a, a, for me, a documentary. And I remember watching the crap out of that. And I remember watching it with uh, setting up a tripod with my shoulder mounted VHS camera and recording the screen so I could take it and show Chris and Tim and probably you at one point. So yeah, I was really excited. And I guess I wish I had seen Empire and Jedi with a group of friends or with a theater full of people. But again, I, I mean, really, that, that period of time, 
uh, so much else going on. I was actually probably at the time thinking of how fortunate I was to carve out two, to, two hours to see these movies. So I never really did get jealous. No, no, or upset about it. I, I managed to fit them in best I could and, and was really happy that I got to see the first one, the important one, in a, in a pack theater. Well, I'm glad you weren't jealous. <laughs> Thank you. I was. I asked, and I was like, "Oh, I hope he wasn't really." And I'm like, "This isn't like therapy." No, no. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> well, I'm gonna flash forward a little bit then, because I've. I don't. I think I've always kind of wondered this about you, and I don't know that I've ever asked you this. When did you first become interested then in? podcasting or at least when did you become even aware of it because i know i've told you you're the first person that i know that was even doing this i guess i saw i i was a fairly early adapter of itunes i really liked the idea of being able to purchase not really not just digital music but a song at a time that was really attractive to me because very rarely do i buy an album especially uh anything from when i was aged 25 on that i like the whole album so i like the idea of buying individual songs so like i said as an early adapter of itunes i'm sure i must have seen that this podcasting was on there but i didn't pay much attention to it well our friend uh dave who i had just brought up just a few minutes ago he he dove headfirst into listening to podcasts and loved it and knew how to get one listed and going much better than I did. I did not. Uh, to me, iTunes was just a a thing that I that I I used. There was no way I'd interact with it. Well, now, of course, years later, much far well far from the from the actual case. But I didn't know that Dave did, and he wanted to do a podcast. And I was like, I don't know. I don't even know what that is. So I asked him to give me some shows that you're listening to that you like that you're thinking of doing, and he sent me some, and I downloaded everything these shows had and then just went from there and just have not stopped listening to podcasts. In fact, very quickly stopped listening to radio apart from Howard Stern and, and started listening to podcasts solely and all because our, our friend Dave wanted to start doing a podcast and just needed a, a co-host and thought him and I would be uh would, would be able to put something together. So it was Dave who introduced me to it, and then to a very large extent, our friend Quint as well, who's helped us out with the with the shows time and time again. So he Dave Dave I would say is solely responsible for all of this, <laughs> starting all this with assistance from Quint. All right, Dave, nice job. Well, I was going to ask you this too, and I forgot, it, and it kind of fits in here nicely. And I don't know if we've ever really discussed this. You guys, as young young dudes, like even for this diehard thing that you were talking about, already had this idea of this production company on some level that you ended up calling Neo's as. Mm-hmm. So where where does that name come from, and do you remember forming this with Dave? Yeah, I, sort of. I best I I can tell the story. I I do, uh, or best I can remember the story. I'll, I'll try to tell it. Um, we were writing a lot. We wrote a lot more than we ever shot or recorded audio wise. And I think to this day, well, maybe not so much nowadays, but throughout our lives working together, we've, we've written way more than we'd ever produced. And we were super influenced by Zucker Abrams and Zucker, particularly airplane and the whole naked gun series. 
And when we had wrote Die Hard with butter flavoring, we used a lot of background jokes from that they we think they would use. And with that, with that inspiration of trying to pay homage to them with these background jokes, not necessarily dialogue or actually what happened in the in the movie itself, but these background elements, we we wanted to make fake credits and everything, and we're like, well. What what production would it be? We don't. We're not going to make it a Paramount or a Universal Picture. Let's make up a fake name. We're like, well, we're trying to be the new Zucker, Abrams, and Zucker. How about Neozaz? And bam, that's it is stuck for decades now, literally. Very cool. And you guys put that on your very early videotape yeah. <laughs> productions, and it, and it survived all this time. Yep, it was printed on a white sheet of paper with a. Dot matrix printer. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> Retro. Yeah, yeah. Well, at the time it was high tech. <laughs> well, and then you guys started doing stuff and, and the D one three show was your, was your first thing um, with, with uh, not only Dave, but Greg. Yeah. Who, who the rest of us had a pleasure of meeting years later, uh, many years ago now. Um, but you, I'd say you were very successful with the trailer pod boys, had you been coming up as you were doing that and, and you were getting attention from the, the trailer park boys community and, and it was, things were going well for you. You were, you were, you were, you were having a lot of success. Had you been cooking up at that point, a star Wars themed show in your head? Like, was there something that you did want to do with star Wars? No, I actually never even thought of doing a star Wars podcast. And that was mainly because I bit i probably well i don't know i'm not gonna say i actively looked with the idea in mind but i'm sure i I had to have noticed there was a ton of star wars podcasts well there's more more now but there was quite a few star wars podcasts and i was trying to do shows that no one was doing that's why i did trailer park boys uh coverage in the first place because no one was doing it and i i wanted one i would type in trailer park boys and every kind of combination of them and the stars names and nothing ever came up. I'm like, well, I want one. There isn't one out there. Here's an open market. Let's see what we can do with it. And and it, it took off way better than we imagined. And then uh, the opposite was going on with star Wars. I had seen tons of star Wars podcasts. I'm not entirely sure I was listening to any of them. So seeing that many, the idea to do one never crossed my mind because there was already a, I don't want to say oversaturation, but more than enough to pick from. And, I just didn't even pursue the idea. No ideas came to my mind. So that that thought I wouldn't say crossed my mind ever until Chris's idea came up. Okay. I was, I was kind of curious about this cause I knew you, you love, you love star Wars, maybe star Wars one away, but it's always kind of there. It's always like the things, the things that you grow up with, whether you pay attention to them or not, they're always there. They're always in the back of your head. So I was wondering if that was something that you, had been kind of yearning to do um, because in the, in the interim before anything else happens, there was fan film, the movie. <laughs> so it still must've been on your mind. Because oh yeah. Oh yeah. You, you wrote, you wrote an entire film. I mean, I don't like, I know it ended up being cut into to sections and became sort of fan film, the series, but it was, it was written as a movie. Like, and when you asked us to, to do this 
it was sent out to us as a script and it was long. I mean, it was like, how did, how long did it end up being like an hour and a half, like a full length movie? Probably. I don't recall the exact time, but I'm, that's probably about right. So it must've still been on your mind. Oh yeah. 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 It was, it was, it's never really left really ever since the books came out. And I, I think I'm more of a reader than any of us, Tim being a close second. I was reading books pretty much as they were coming out until you got to like the trade no i'm sorry trade paperbacks is no trade paperbacks i think is the word i'm looking for when they started going straight to paperbacks those i kind of avoided i don't know that they're lesser stories or not there's just too many to keep a track of so it's always i've always had my hand once the resurgence came back with those zon books and the power of the force two toys and the re-releases I, yeah it's always been i had my hand in it one way or another enjoying it i just again had not thought of any idea of producing anything for it other than the fan film thing, which has been, that's been a idea that had been brewing for a very long time. Right. The, the idea of, of some type of star Wars parody on some level. Yeah. Yeah. That was exactly the type of thing Dave and I had wanted to do. And I had seen a lot of great Star Wars fan films, seen a lot of lousy Star Wars fan films. I knew there was room for us to fit in there somewhere. And I was like, I really wanted to, there was two things going on with that project. And I know it's not a question about a project, but what the heck I'll spew it out. Anyway. Um, one was I wanted to, I did want to write some kind of Star Wars fan film idea, but be a very less serious side, much like our podcast. The other side of that was, Dave and I were just getting into film production, any kind of video production for that matter, and we had a lot to learn, and we wanted something to learn with, and that was that was a huge tool for that for me. I learned a lot of what to do when we filmed that. Yeah, you were, I remember you sending pictures and all kinds of stuff. I mean, the just the props that you ended up having to build and, and the, the rigging and, and all that kind of stuff, it was, it was pretty impressive. Yeah, oh, thanks. So it was a learning tool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, I certainly want to have fun doing it. I wouldn't, I would have never asked you guys to spend an entire weekend and work as hard as we did if I didn't think it was going to be a fun project on top of learning something. And I, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's where we got to meet Greg, like we said. That's true. Yes. Yep. And, and your sister was involved and, yep. and ended up meeting some other nice people um, along the way doing it. So it was, it was, a positive experience all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. So we're going to fast forward again then, because I think we've covered the, uh, the, the story of Chris coming up with the show and pitching it to you and and you messing with him and all that kind of stuff and get into the actual recordings of the first shows. Do you have any recollection of those first star Wars and characters? And what do you think of them now? in hindsight, because I know you've gone back to listen to them. I guess the recollection is I didn't, it didn't go the way I imagined it. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just imagined it being very, um, I don't know what sterile, a very sterile presentation and kind of like a Statler and Waldorf type commenting here and there, not breaking into any other conversations. And, I guess the first couple episodes are closest to that, what I imagine would happen, but they're, they're still not. We still got, uh, we loosened up a little bit here and there and had fun with it, but it, it ended up being much more of a 
uh, a panel, dis- not even a panel discussion, like a roundtable discussion than I thought it was going to be. I don't know why I envisioned it being more of a, you know, Tim up there on a, on a virtual pedestal and us heckling him, I guess was what I was thinking. That's not what it turned out to be than what it ended up being, but, but I did. That's why I envisioned it. Now, as far as going back and listening to him, I, I think I'm the only one of the four of us that thinks, they, for their age and for being the first episodes, do hold up with the rest of the episodes. They're not – the show certainly changed. I mean, we've been doing it for f- over four years now. But you can see where – you can listen to the Interrogator Droid, which is the latest episode as of the recording we're making now, and Lobot and see how we got from 1 to 147, I think. I think you really can can do realistically do that. Hmm. That's interesting. Is there one – I think we've kind of – talked about this the four of us along the way but i don't know that it's ever been put out there is there one episode where you felt like things clicked not like i know you said that the first couple are enjoyable listen to and and it's like an organic process and all that kind of stuff but is there one that you feel like things clicked and we all became comfortable and kind of hit the ground running from there. Yeah, I, I do think about this one a lot. And in that regard, and I, it has to be Jack Porkins, which is still an early episode. I think it's like number nine, but I think that is where I think that's where the where we turn that corner, and that is the real point of we fell into our. I don't know if our roles is the right word, but we, we fell into our format. That's the word I'm looking for. We fell into mm-hmm. our format. Three The three facts are long gone. No one's waiting for anyone else to say something when it's something needs to be said or feels like it needs to be said. And we're cracking each other up and everybody's involved. Usually the presenter, which at the time was Tim. And I think I don't think it has anything to do with him being too serious. I think just because his mind was on presenting. He was able to walk in and out of that role, I think, the easiest on that episode. And it just flowed more and more for everyone from that point on. That's that's what I thought you were going to say, and that's probably the way I feel too. We maybe maybe it took those first eight for us to get our feet wet and feel like we 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 were talking about these things, but it was a little sterile for us. And because I think when we get around each other, we the 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 jokes are flying, and they're generally. Not nice. I mean, I mean <laughs> not that they're not nice, but they're they're generally R rated. Yeah. So maybe before that, we were felt like we kind of had to walk on eggshells a little bit and don't want to offend people. And maybe for whatever reason, we just decided we were going to be ourselves and didn't care if we offended people. And uh, you know, some people would like it, some people won't. But um, maybe that had something to do with it too. It probably did. I think um, we were probably getting some feedback by then, too, because this is the fastest show of all the shows we've put out, even even the ones that we're trying to directly pull Star Wars and character listeners to from our Facebook page and from our podcast. This is the fastest feedback we've ever gotten, so I bet we probably got some feedback well before this episode, and we were feeling more confident in being ourselves, too, along with everything you said. And speaking of the early feedback, how does that affect you? Do you like, I know that we're not, we're, we started doing this to have fun and to, to be able to talk to each other, but then it is, it is nice when people do listen to it. And when they do say nice things, is that something that is important to you? 
Is that something that affected you, do you think, in the early goings? Yeah, in the early goings, it really, really affected me. It affects me now for a completely different way, but back then it really did affect me because a lot of work goes in into all these. I mean, I'm sure people understand that, but it, it for those that don't, a lot of work goes into a, a single show sometimes, sometimes more than you'd actually imagine, and... When you get feedback for it, that that really helps keep you motivated, and that kept me motivated. And I think that's kept me kind of at times even being annoying to everybody to get shows out not as quick as we can, but as regularly as we can. Um, I lost my train of thought there. I totally lost my train of thought. I I don't know what I'm answering now. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. I love it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, you were talking about you were talking about the the feedback, and I guess, and, and I was going to touch on this later. We can talk about it now. Um, I wanted to know, from a standpoint of show preparation, what do you do? Because the feedback probably feels extra good to you because of all the time you have to put into this usually on a post-production level. Mm -hmm. I know you've talked about this on the show. We've talked about this, the many levels of, of editing and buffering and the things that we don't even understand the things that you do on all of our behalf to make this show sound great. So when you were putting in all of those hours and it is hours, it must, to get that positive reinforcement at least makes you feel like, you're doing it for a reason. Somebody's enjoying it. If you were doing it and there was nothing, there was just crickets, or you were doing it and people were like, their show sucks. Like, that makes you not want to do it, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that that must have something to do with it for you. Yeah. Oh, it, it does. And I think I said this on Chris's show, and if I didn't, it, it's worth repeating, especially for anyone that's, that I, I'm sure people that do the technical end of the podcast would certainly, I think, would agree with this. Maybe not, but I mean, it's ultimately a labor of love it's by no form of business it's it's a hobby and you can you can do something because you love doing it but you can really only do that for so long and put so much into it without getting some kind of feedback from it or response and in this case people are enjoying it we get wonderful letters from people we get some my favorite i think of comment of all time is the guy who's listening to us as a son in the waiting room of the hospital while his son's being born i mean you get stories like that 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 make this labor of love worth doing if we hadn't gotten any feedback if, if people just sit there and just download it without even saying a word about it bad or good I, there's no way i'd be able to keep doing it because it can only do so much of this work for so long because it's a quote labor of love unquote yeah. Yeah, it, it it it's got to make those long nights that you spend on this a little bit easier. Yeah, absolutely. So besides that post-production stuff, what do you do personally from a, a pre-production standpoint for every show? Um I know that there like we've been doing trading off hosting things and that's that's in and of itself research. I don't mean that. I mean we're going to sit down, you've got a beer and a microphone, and Tim or I am going to do the, the facts and the research. What have you done to prepare for that episode? For that episode, I took the cap off the beer. That is it. 
I have I have all the emails that come in go directly into a folder. I look at them when I know my bit is coming up, and if there's not a new one, I go to Facebook or iTunes to do comments. And I'll tell you what, that is the I love that part of this show because of all the shows I'm on on Neozaz, it's the only one I get to do that. Everything else I have to do something to prepare for research wise or 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 whatever. I am very happy to just fire up Skype, sit down, press record, and do what we do. I am very thankful when those times come around that I'm not hosting and I'm not doing another show. Well, that's good. Because, you. I, I mean, I can, not that you don't enjoy the other shows that you're on, but I can tell when we're doing a show that that you're enjoying the time. Oh yeah. yeah. Chris is enjoying the time and Tim is enjoying the time because it's, it was the goal was to just be able to talk to each other, which is what we're doing. Somebody's doing more work than other than the others at that point, if they're hosting, but even that person is able to, like you said, step out of the hosting role and riff. Right. And not just be the, the bus driver, you know, is, which is what Chris likes to call it. Yeah. Yeah. You can still, you can still do whatever you want. Um, we were even talking about how we recorded. We were talking about we were talking about Chris really. That if if these things have been written down, it it wouldn't be as as natural, and and people wouldn't maybe like it as much. Do you ever? Because you're, I mean, you are a writer. You you write scripts. You you write skits. You write song parodies. Do you ever write anything ahead of time? Like like a character will come up. And instantly a joke will pop into your head. Do you ever write that down and have notes during a show? No, no. The closest I ever come to that is when I'm hosting the show and I'm putting the notes together and an idea comes to my head that I want to mention that is not directly story related, but I think would be funny. And like the more nebulous that idea is, the better off it comes. There are have been times where I wrote a word for word what I want to say, and I would say like four out of five times they fall flat because of everything else we've said leading up to that. It's really based on where the research with me just doing it led. And we were far from that when I go to a pre-written joke. So that is the closest I come and rarely do that. So not really at all. No. Okay. I'm just curious how, I'm just curious how funny, I, I guess I've always been curious how funny people are funny and, 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 and us included, because I find all three of you very funny. Oh. So, like, I know that uh, everybody does it different. I was just curious how how you how you do this stuff. For, Is what's that? I was gonna say for for these shows, yeah, not much at all. Now, the Christmas specials and the other stuff we do—that's a totally different beast. And of course, obviously, they're scripts, so they they are written down. But yeah, for the for the live, for, I mean, it's it 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 really is kind of a live performance because not much editing is done anymore unless it's really really inappropriate or a technical glitch otherwise what people hear is what we've done so these are effectively live performances so for those no i'm not writing anything down yeah you've you've deemed these live recordings or something like that recorded live right yeah probably like you're really hearing a live show um yeah because you said you said even on one of these recent shows, you you don't take much out for content anymore at all. Not anymore, no. Is there is there ever something you haven't said on a show just because you know you'd have to edit it out later? There has to be. I can't give you an example, but I 
I'm probably, I'm pretty sure that's probably happened. Okay. So there are times that you censored your own self for the sake of, I'm just going to have to cut it out later anyway, so I'm not even going to bother. Probably. I'm, there, that ha- I have, there ha- that has have to have happened. Yeah. Okay. Because I know there are times that I'll listen to a show because I don't, like if we listen, if I listen to a show, I don't often remember even what we talked about and something will happen on a show and you'll say something. And you'll go, oh, I'm just going to have to edit that out anyway. And one of us will say, don't, it was hilarious. You got to <laughs> leave it in. And that whole conversation is left in as well. That almost, yeah. And I, that's kind of, I guess on purpose, like I, and that, that, that'll happen in the editing process. I'll hear whatever is said and be like, ah, oh, I got to take that out. Then I'll hear our conversation about leaving it in. I'm like, well, that kind of excuses leaving it in. I'm just going to leave that whole bit in <laughs> as weird <laughs> as that sounds. No, it's, it's like it's, leaving that conversation in kind of excuses whatever inappropriate thing may have been said. That's not all that bad in the end of that conversation. It's it's one of the things I think I like best about the show. It's the it's the live feel to it. Mm. Um, we're not doing a live show because it would be ridiculously hard, and yeah. we're not set up for that. But uh, you're basically getting the same thing. Do you do you think? And I'm not comparing us in any way to anybody. But how much of an influence do you think Howard Stern has on what you do or what you perceive us doing? It's got to be huge. I mean, all of us grew up with them. I mean, that was the big that was the big thing in Philly. We were one of the first markets to get them after New York, and we all grew up listening to them. And I, I'm with you. I'm not saying I'm comparing us to him at all, but I do think the format of of people just talking about something, and that's a lot of what I like and what they do. I, I honestly, I may be one of the few people that don't care about the celebrity interviews when they're just talking about something. And then when they get to the news and they riff on the news, I've always been my favorite part. So I, I don't think, I don't think we're trying to mimic it. I don't think we're as good as them, but I really think that ingrained in us of that's how talk radio should be. Maybe that's a better way to say it. I think I grew up thinking that is exactly how talk radio is and should be. And so that's what my brain tells me to do when I'm on these shows. Yeah, and and it's what people have done. I mean, Howard Stern is is now harder to listen to unless you want to pay for it. But like I know uh, uh, Tim is a big fan of Preston and Steve being still from the Philadelphia area. And you listen to that show. if, If two people, two generally funny people are talking about anything, I could listen to him talk all day. Yeah. And it's it's not just us. I mean, most of the podcasts I like are uh, most of them are within our age. I'm going to say within 10 years either direction in our age group and they probably experience the same exact thing. Howard Stern or a Howard Stern like personality in their market, so their shows are the same way and that's why I end up liking them. So I don't think it's isolated us by any means. I think the shows that I like best are from the generation that listened to that type of talk radio growing up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So going through the shows, things are progressing nicely. We get to the live episode number 25 and then later episode 50. How much of a technical nightmare were these shows for you personally? Well, nightmare is a tricky word because these are the things I do for a living, setting up, taking technical tricky things and making them not so tricky. So this is right up my alley. I felt at home getting it. Was it getting it together? Was it easy? No, not really. But 
it wasn't frustrating and it wasn't a nightmare. Which was what was frustrating to pinpoint a particular time was episode fifty, where everything worked well in various number of test rehearsals, and then things went wrong during the live. But I mean, that's what happened. So it, it was, and I frustrating to f- never figure out what really happened. But I, I, I don't really view it as a nightmare. It was a lot of hard work, but that's that's what I do, and I build a career around making hard technical problems easy. So this was this is this was right up my alley. I was happy to take this on and figure it out. Hmm. Well, that's what anytime anything goes wrong. Like I know that there there are a lot of listeners that have started their own podcasts, and we have friends that do podcasting. I and and I admire that. The thing that they don't have that we do is you. So <laughs> I can't imagine doing this show with someone that doesn't have the expertise that you do. Because I know when something when something happens, the three of us are like, "Man, I'll take care of it." Yeah, <laughs> and you're probably like, you know upset at the time and, and frantically trying to figure things out. I do. I can't, yes. I can't imagine what people like are like on another show that don't have a mat. Uh, oh, I because do. I do. We're, get, just, we're just like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> it's well, it's, it's something anyone can learn. I mean, all the audio, all the audio visual. So I did not go to school for audio visual technical stuff. I went for other technical things, but I learned it and anyone can learn it with putting your nose to the grindstone and figuring out things work. So I'm sure, I'm sure they figure it out. And yeah, I do get frantic. I don't, I, there's, shoot, I, you heard it as well as everybody else on the show. There's been many things that come up that I wasn't expecting and I kind of freak out because it shouldn't be happening. And then I, after a minute of that, I calm down and figure it out. So it's not a, yeah, I don't take on these things with with the grace and dignity that I might try to play off that I do. I freak the hell out just like everybody else when something happens I'm not expecting. Freak the hell out. (laughs) Do you have a favorite Star Wars personality that you've met? And I say met in air quotes through the show. Um, Somebody we've interviewed or somebody you bumped into at a convention. Is is there anybody out there that you... You're like, uh, you know, that guy's pretty cool. Like somebody that had something to do with the films. I don't mean listeners or other podcasters. The only answer I can think of is incredibly selfish and self-serving, but it's the only answer I have. And that was Ray Park because I met him at Wizard World Philly when we launched the Armor Project and we showed him my piece and he loved, he at least said he loved it and was asking me tons of questions about how I made it. What did I do with this? What what's what do I have the kind of artwork I do? And he was asking me way more things about me than I was of him. And I thought that was just really cool for someone that is there getting paid and taking money to be met to take a little bit of time to get to know me. So I thought he was really cool and I really enjoyed that interaction I had with him. Yeah, that, that's nice when when you you get that kind of feedback from somebody that like Ray Park's Ray Park. And, you know, it was like, I know you're not a fan of the prequels and all, but the guy was there and he's a nice guy and, and you worked hard on that. And it's, it's nice to have those moments. Yeah. And we've, we've had them because of the show. That's true. That's true. And I did enjoy watching my wife meet Mike Quinn because she was, that was the first time she's ever talked to an actual Muppeteer. And you could tell, were you there for that? No. Okay. You could tell he was, that was the first person who said anything about the Muppets to him. And those two were talking to the point that there was like a line 10 deep behind them and neither of them cared because they're having a blast talking about the Muppets. 
<laughs> so I like that he took the time to talk to her like that, and then they seem to have a, a genuine, uh, fun conversation. Yeah, those are nice moments. Yeah. And, I mean, somebody could have that moment at a convention, but we've, we've been able to have some of those moments because of the show. Yeah. Um, I know that I, not many people that I know personally actually know that I do this at all. Um, and some of the people that do, one of their first, I don't know if you get this question. Do you, do you get people ask you, one of the first things they ask is, well, how much do you get paid? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially when we talk about the network. I mean, that is like, yeah, it, they, they think I'm, <laughs> they don't understand how much I hemorrhage on neozaz.com, the network in general. And they, they just are astounded by the fact that I'm not making money. I don't bother telling them how much money I spend on it. So, yeah, yeah. I do get that question a lot. Yeah, I've heard that question from from the the people that I do know, and and in fact, even like like someone like my dad who doesn't even know anything about this stuff. I was like, I, I think I told him one day, and uh, it was like he was like, "Oh, well, how much you get paid?" And I'm like, well, "We don't get paid at all. There's no money. In fact, like like you said, there's a loss of money." Yeah. <laughs> um, and the next question is often, "Well, why do you do?" I it? know. Yeah. <laughs> So. My, my favorite father story, now you're about a father's, is that he'd always say your little show, your little this, your little podcast. Always, almost demeaning it. I don't think he ever intended to, but it was always your little this, your little that. We're working on Trailer Pod Boys for like a good year. It's like, oh, your little show, you're going to go record your little show. I'm like, yeah, okay, our little show. Then the day came where we interviewed the principal star. We're not talking people on the show. We are talking the Trailer Park Boys themselves. Interviewed them. Then I got a chance to spend a good amount of time meeting them face-to-face in Buffalo, continue the conversation we had on an interview. Finally, that was enough to take my father to take the, the, the adjective little out of the conversation when my father would bring the show up again. <laughs> yeah, little, little is never a good adjective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, back to the, to the uh, train of the show that is chugging along. The April Fool's sagas that we've come up with first mob crim then the the fake argument that we had did did you think that these things would work i never expected the presentation tim gave for mob crim and when we hit stop on the record i knew that was i then i knew this is the people that are going to get the joke this is going to be big but up until we hit record, I was just like, oh, this is going to be so stupid. People are going to figure this out in three three seconds. Tim's going to say, or Chris is going to say, today we're talking about Mav Krim, and it'll be all downhill from there. Tim, well, first of all, I mean, your story is brilliant. But uh, I really say as a partner, this, this show was a partner. And I hope you don't mind me saying this, this. That show was a partnership between you and Tim. You wrote the story, and Tim sold it. And between those two factors, once we were done, I knew it was – I knew – I thought – the people that would get the joke was going to be big. I didn't think everyone was going to <laughs> realize how much fun that was. And I think I, I, I'd say just about everybody listened to that show in the end, got the joke and loved it, liked it, or at least didn't hate it. That was surprising. Yes. The fight. I thought again, I thought no one's going to believe this. We've been doing a hundred, whatever show they're almost a hundred up to that point. They're not going to believe that without warning, we got into a fight and, are walking away from the show. But again, everybody, particularly you and Tim, again, another partnership, because you two were the adversarial personalities in that, sold that as well. And again, when we were done, I was like, yeah, this is actually, 
going to be pretty good for those that get it's a joke at the end. And again, I, I, uh, most everybody, if not everybody, got it. And they were a lot of fun, like posting on Facebook saying, oh, I can't believe this is happening. And you just knew by whatever they were saying, they got the joke, but they weren't spoiling it. So both, absolutely, to answer your question that I started trying to answer 10 minutes ago. Yes, they they both surprised me a lot. Now, the second April Fool's, like you said, we were acting. Do you Do you like to act? I do, but it's tough for me to act. This is, I don't know if this is normal or not, but it's tough for me to act something I didn't write or come up with because if I came up with the story or the script, I know exactly what it is supposed to sound like. If I'm reading someone else's script or running with their idea, there's always that anxiety of am i doing this right so i'm much more comfortable with doing something i've written because i know what it's supposed to be so yes but i'm a little probably a lot more apprehensive than you are of working with someone else's work okay that makes no that that makes sense to me okay um like did you feel when you were acting on fan film did you feel differently than you did when we were doing some of the acting that we do with this? Um, man, I don't really, if I guess if I don't remember, I guess not. So I'm going to say, no, I guess I felt the same on both in both instances in a sense. Okay. Um, now we're going to keep moving through this and take me through this. This may be a long answer. (laughs) What what hasn't been, I can't seem to shut up. Now, if you've answered some of this in other shows, you know, feel free to do whatever you need to do. But take me through the whole Celebration 6 experience, like starting like the bureaucratic avalanche that you and Christy probably had to go through at the start was daunting enough. But then leading through everything that went went with it. I know a lot of this has been covered on some other shows, but what do you take from that? We put on a show for several hundred people that that enjoyed it and laughed and, and we were a part of something special. What do you take from all of that? Oh, I take that. That is something that I wasn't sure we could do. I, I thought we had had it in us to do it, but being on that big of a stage and that big of a set, and I don't mean physically big. I mean, the it's celebration, it's the official star Wars star wars convention i wasn't sure we'd be able to do it the first time out i was really proud to see that we could do that and prove that we could do live events and and would love the opportunity to do it again so i walked out of there i took away a, a confidence in a another thing we could do together as a team be it with star wars in character or anything in neo's as I, I walked away with like a whole new uh confidence in that realm of something we had never tried before and we proved that we could do it that's a great answer i hadn't even thought of something like that that to you that wasn't like an accomplishment and when it was over it was an end it was a a beginning yeah absolutely yep well that's a great answer um how bad was that beginning though with with what you guys had to do to even get us considered Uh, it was it was incredibly frustrating i mean it, it, the first 
part was it's it was first was was the nervousness of writing the perfect pitch for what we wanted to do. I wanted to make sure we conveyed exactly what we intended to do without overselling it without being too long-winded make sure i got the points in there make it sound exciting make it sound fun make it sound like something they want that was stressful enough i passed it off to my wife who luckily is in that kind of industry i mean what she does she touches live performances every single day of her work week she's always dealing with this stuff so she looked through it she gave me notes on improvements. she actually rewrote it in a more matter she's used to seeing she's assuming the people that are reading this are, are going to read it the same way and, and very likely they were so that was a little bit stressful sent it in didn't hear anything back i would email and this is where it got frustrating i would email saying did you get it and no one would answer did you get it no one would answer hey i hate to be a bother did you get it can you please answer no one would answer then they read back saying send us a long form pitch of what you want would exactly would do show layout and an outline i'm like okay good they got it so the stress of writing something out again, like I just described, only bigger sets in. Luckily, like I just said, I have my wife to help me along the way. We get through it, and another round of frustration of frustration comes in because I don't know that they got it. I'm like, I'm writing. Did you get it? Did you get it? No one says anything. No one says anything until the day that they say, you got the show. Three o'clock, Friday, fan stage. Here's the information. And then, well, I mean, that was one thing. That was great. I was like, oh, that's okay. All that was worth it. Now I have some technical questions. So I write back. I have some technical questions. She, I immediately get an answer saying to who to ask. I was like, why couldn't you do this? They e- e- emails just saying I got it, you know, but she, they never did. That doesn't matter. So then this person I had to talk to was in with a completely different company. All the correspondences before this were with Lucasfilm, which by the way, the fact that I'm now working directly with Lucasfilm on something just blows my mind. This is like a (laughs) 1990s dream come true. But beside that, so now I'm talking to a person in another company. They're like, Oh, that's not me. Write this guy, write this guy. No answer. Write it, write it, write it. I'm like, okay, this guy's not answering me. Like they don't work here anymore. I'm like, ah, Christ. So basically an email chain. And I alluded to this, I think at one point email chain with just about everybody in this other company to get an, all I was asking, I didn't, I should have said this beginning. All I was asking was are microphones and a projector available? All I wanted to know. Yes or no. It must've taken 30 emails from someone to say, I think so. That's like the best answer I got. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a lot of frustrating and none of it had to do with our show per se. It had to do with communication. I was like, that just, it astounds me how little how little importance people put on communication for something like this. For, and I understand for them it's not important. But for someone like us that wants to make a good impression, wants to do a good show, and wants to make an impact, I want a yes or no on a simplest question. Don't Please don't blow it off. Just answer it. And they don't. And that's frustrating and very disheartening at times. Right. And that seems like that kind of stuff happened all along the way for you guys it happened this year too it's like in fact i wanted to do the complete opposite where i sent our proposal in and i was like i'm not going to be that guy this year and writes every five days did you get it because they got it last year it'll be fine sure enough that idea bit me in the ass i should have done it i should have wrote because maybe they would have said no we didn't get it which seems to be the case so it's like not only was it not productive three years ago it actually harmed us three years later well, I didn't even think about that either. Like the one thing affecting the other thing. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Christy and and how important she is to the show that people 
are unaware aware of I think in general, other than being the voice on the show. She, she does, she does a lot of stuff like that for the show. Besides that, what kind of feedback do you get from Christy on maybe a show to show basis? And maybe the answer is none. I don't know. Not so much anymore. I did run things past her in the early days. Honestly, really, I'll take some of that back. I never really passed by the content of it. I passed by formatting things like the intro to the show. She's always the first to hear the intro to every show. Uh, does it sound good? Does it sound stupid? Does it sound too egotistical? No, yes, no, maybe try this, that type of thing. Then the ending of the show or the addition of music or however we split up segments. I don't think I ever really run content passed by her. I run more format things by her and have her listen as a listener, to be real honest. Okay. Well, the the fact that she hears the beginning and all that kind of stuff, I, I'm interested even to learn about this because I know I know she has to have an impact whether even even if it's subconscious like uh, i'm i'm interested to learn that that's something as concrete as that like she's hearing things that are going to go out before anybody else does mm-hmm. um you'd say that's a pretty a pretty normal thing yeah yeah oh yeah okay well that's good so in a way she's almost like an an editor sort of yeah and then well she's actually like uh, she's definitely a second set of ears because I I have a real tendency to mumble and trip over my own words a lot. And I don't, working with computers all day, I don't talk all that much during the day. So to be talking during a show, I mean, is, is like my, I, it's your mouth, your tongue, your vocal cords are most muscle like everything else. And mine, I think, are generally underdeveloped. And, but I, it, it all sounds perfectly normal to him, to me, because I'm actually saying the words, I guess, in my head. So I'm hearing it. So I will do the intro to a show, not realize I mumbled through a word and she'll listen to it and go, what, what the hell did you say there? I'm like, I, well, I clearly said attraction. She's like, that's not what I heard. So I need that second set of ears to hear things I'm not hearing a lot. And she's not afraid to, not afraid that she's going to hurt your feelings. I mean, <laughs> no, she, she, <laughs> just in general, no. <laughs> she's just, uh, Really, like an like an editor. Like. Yeah. Well, she she also says it to help. She doesn't say it to make fun of me. She she's saying because she didn't. She, I I didn't hear that word. What did you say there? I mean, she's not saying like I'm idiot. What did you say? Not at all. She's generally questioning it because it's a it's a it's a problem. It, and and I can't hear it because I know what the word is supposed to say. So my subconscious is filtering it correctly. Apparently, right. <laughs> well, so Christy has more of an effect on the show than. Than even I knew. Probably, yeah. I mean, we I did her interview first to expose her to everybody to help explain what she does with a lot of the stuff we do, if not everything we do in one way or another. She's a part of, but we it was not we couldn't have possibly had an all encompassing thing because I just couldn't think of everything because she's there every step of the way doing something sometimes with a a, a very light influence sometimes only just having her in the back of my mind as an influence. Another time she is right there standing in front of the speakers telling me what she thinks can be improved and everything in between with just about everything we do. Hmm. That's very cool. Is there anything that she's ever heard that she found offensive or said that's too much and suggested to you that it be censored? 
Yeah, I again, I can't give you an example, but I will also say I in those instances I'm playing it for her because I'm thinking I might need to be censored too. So she's she's got a pretty tough or thick skin when it comes to that stuff. She now she I mean she works with mostly men actors stuntmen stuntmen are the worst as far as that kind of talk so she's got a super thick skin so it takes about as much to offend her as it would us so if i'm playing it for her i'm I'm already questioning it and then the answer is probably already i should take it out but she's just kind of my second opinion to be sure so yeah she, she i don't think she's found things offensive that that have slipped by us because of that she's not overly sensitive at all in fact she's quite thick skinned to that kind of stuff Okay, so if you're already playing it for her... It's because I'm already thinking it probably needs to be taken out. Okay, you're on the fence. On the fence, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. There have been times where she's like, yeah, leave it in. I'd be like, okay, if you say so, that way I can just blame you. There you go. That's good, too. Blame the editor. Yeah. (laughs) And in addition, like we said, we've, we've been able to do... I guess that's why I started talking about the the question that I always get, and it seems like you get to like how much you get paid for this. We don't get paid for anything, but I feel like we are being paid in a way in the experiences that we've that we've been able to have. Uh, something like the the celebration, you know, like not many people get to do something like that, and it's only happened because of the show. So one of the things that we do get to do sometimes is make what I would call appearances at uh, comic book conventions and, and, and things like that. Um, Chris and Tim's cup of tea more so than the two of us. Uh, how uncomfortable are you in general at these things? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not comfortable at all. I mean, I, I, I can't even tell you that I am comfortable. It's yeah. I don't, I don't dislike them. I just would rather, I don't know. I don't even know what I would rather do. I, I, it's so weird. I enjoy meeting people. That's the thing. Uh, here's the difference. When people know the show and we can talk about it, I'm perfectly fine with it. When someone comes up and asks, what's this all about? I'm like, Ugh, that's so the part it, I can't stand. <laughs> okay. So if it's someone that you have to explain the whole well, thing to. Yeah. If I have to feel like I have to sell myself, I'm not a salesman at all by any means. And I think when that happens, I feel like I'm trying to sell myself and I hate that. So that's the problem. That's the problem. I have these things. If someone knows the show or even like star Wars and just wants to talk star Wars, that's fine. But when someone comes up, well, what's all, what's this? You got a lot of banners and CDs. What are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, that is hard because then now you have to, it could be somebody that has no interest to whatsoever. So if you start talking to them about it and they're there because they like Dr. Who or or whatever or model trains who knows right and you start talking to them about this and they're just like glossing over like they don't care right um that is uncomfortable yeah yeah that's that's the part i hate i i mean like i said if they're they want to talk even if they don't know who we are if we're talking just talking about star wars way more comfortable than someone like basic and the way i view that when someone comes up and goes, what's all this all about they're basically in my head and it's probably my head telling me sell me on this i'm like i'm not a sales guy i don't want to do this yeah yeah that is hard to do well you've appeared at several now i mean in several states yeah <laughs> you know so do you have one that was a favorite to attend i mean it, i'm i'm guessing it may have possibly been Wizard World Philadelphia, because 
we were drinking some hooch. Well, not hooch, but we were <laughs> we were drinking. We were drinking as early as 10 a.m. Yeah. I know at Wizard World Philadelphia because we kept going by the the beer carts and they weren't going to open until the show opened, which opened at 10. Yeah, and I think as the doors opened, I was <laughs> I was at the the, the little kiosk. I, getting stuff to bring back for us. I do remember the guy finishing the guy announced was welcome to wizard world Philadelphia. And like, by the time he's done his spiel, you're already, you're in eyesight with two beers in your hand. So yeah, I think you did like right at that second, buy those beers. <laughs> is that, I mean, is there a convention? I know we're going to get into some of the, the fan stuff and people that you've gotten to meet along the way. I know you've met some really cool and nice people at some of these things. Is there a convention that you have, at least some fond memories of that was probably my favorite weekend. I mean, you're absolutely right. You and I drank, my wife was with us cutting in on all the ridiculousness we were seeing. So that was the fun weekend. If I had to pick a favorite moment at a convention, it was probably this one in Orlando. It was a very small convention. We, I don't think we got a single list, new listener to this convention, but I got to do something I wanted to do for decades. And one meet Joel Hodgson from mystery science theater. And two, him and I had like a half hour conversation about art, about his art, my art, different color choices, way to do things, craftsmanship between the puppets and the art more and whatnot. That was a freaking dream come true. So that has to be my absolute favorite moment of any convention. That is a good, that is a good one. That's a, that's a good thing to put on the list of the things that we get to do. Yep, it is. And that would not have happened. You're right. That would have never happened. Wouldn't have happened without this show. All right. Well, I touched on it. I might as well get to it. How has listener involvement impacted the way you view this stuff? And maybe even, I mean, I'd be, be getting a little, you know, ahead of the game here, but has it impacted your life at all? Oh, yeah. I, I, it's I mean, a, we've all talked about how dear the listenership is to us, but that has to have an impact on, on us. And, and maybe more for you than anybody else, because you, you were able to go to a foreign country and experience things that you would not have experienced without the listenership of this show. So I'll let you talk about that, but it's an amazing thing. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. I mean, I have made as close of friends through the show than I have throughout my life. It's bizarre. And most of these people I've only met face-to-face a couple of times, which is more than enough. And the one you're talking about, obviously, is Eric from England that we formed an early friendship on on the show. All of us did. And I asked, and he was a very talented artist, and yeah. asked him to be part of the Artmore Project. So I got to know him outside of the show, in a sense, and whatnot. And then he had heard, I don't even remember what, what show I said it on. It had to have been Star Wars in character, although I think he does listen to almost all the shows. But I said something about wanting to go to Europe and visiting London, and he sent me a message, if you're ever coming to london let me know i know you being a big python fan there's some things i want to show you and there's some things whatever you know it gave a real short pitch that there's some things he could lead me to that would be difficult to find otherwise and he'd be happy to do it and i thought okay that's 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 cool i will certainly don't know if i'm ever coming and uh, probably like a year later we finally did book our trip to to europe and london i said hey we are we are coming and this is what we're doing. We're landing here on this day and this is where we're staying. And then he jumped all over it. He had a plan to meet us at the airport. Uh, the big thing, the very first thing he offered was, I'm going to, I think he said, he didn't ask. He said, I'm going to meet you at the airport so I can take you on the tube so you know 
this is a perfect example of how to learn the tube from the airport to your hotel. And then I'll take you to the hotel and that's a good way to learn the streets. And then we'll figure out from there and whatnot said, great. That sounds wonderful. As time grew, he's like, Oh, I, here's a couple other ideas. Like, Those sound good too. And whatnot. And uh, the time finally came to, to go. And I'm thinking we're just going to spend a day or two with him. He's going to show us around. We get there. He does all these things, all these things he promised. He talks about a few other things. Christy and him hit it off. Like no one I've ever seen her meet of my friends instantly, apart from probably you. <laughs> and we're like, well, let's, when can we meet again? And he's like, well, it's the weekend. I'd like to see my family. I'm like, you know, that's great. We'll go out of the area. We'll do these tours and whatnot. We'll meet up on Monday. We end up spending of the eight days or there, are five of them with him. First time I'm ever meeting him face to face in a foreign country and feeling like this is someone I've known my whole life and having uh, without, and no stretch of the imagination, the the vacation of my life. And most of that thanks to him because more than half the things we did, I wouldn't even known to do. And not only that, how to get to him. And he took us through streets of London that just, I would have never found. That was just amazing. And you're right. It's all because of this show of four guys doing dick and fart jokes around Star Wars characters. I mean, come on. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> there you go. Dick and fart. Right. <laughs> It is. It's it's the payment for the show. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so I mean, in a sense, we do get paid. Yeah, and that's not the only friend we made. I mean, Lou's become a close friend to all of us, and he's got a show show on on Nia's as of his own. Uh, Jeff McGee is someone we know well. We're I'm finally going to meet face to face in in uh, Anaheim, and and uh, another guy, another Matthew is. Been a long time listener. Ironically, he lives an hour from me from where I sit right now, but I'm going to actually meet him in Anaheim. I mean, all these people that I've gotten to know and consider to an extent, or not even to an extent, consider friends, and we're all going to have a good time and hang out together in Anaheim. It's it's very strange thing, but yet it's cool as hell, too. Absolutely. And because of that, and because of the show, like I know I met with you the the guys from two fruit two true geeks uh, oh yeah hey i freaks, freaks yeah i totally freaks. forgot to mention them of course yeah that's you know it's weird it's like i think it's I, i've now become more friends with them than fellow podcasters so i forgot of them as two true things i think of scott scott chris gene and bill it's weird <laughs> right and barbarian rage like you guys yep. and all of us all four of us have ended up as guests on other podcasts yeah and those people on some level our our friends that we've never met, like you said, face to face, all because of this show. Like, how many shows have you been on? You've been on a lot. I don't really know. Not like a superordinate amount that I've. Oh, I've lost count. I just haven't counted them. I'm gonna say half a dozen, somewhere around there, give or take a couple, probably. Mm-hmm. I think I feel like that's a lot. Yeah. And I know Tim has been, Chris has been on some, and I've been on some. It's like it's a uh, it's it's a a kinship or a, a brotherhood or whatever you want to call it of podcasters yeah. that I'm proud to be a part of. And, and I know you are. And, and it, like we said, it's, it's all because of this stuff. I mean, we, we were doing other podcasts and, and you were successful with trailer pod boys and the Grady's was successful on some level, but it's this show yeah, that has opened a lot of these doors. Yep. Absolutely. The I get like, the one thing that I wanted to ask you about because I know that this is so specific for you. The the whole Neozaz network and this experience has led you 
to get to do something near and dear to your heart that you probably never would have thought would have happened. Um, tell everybody, if you can, the your experience with, with, with what happened with the Orion launch and, and ESA. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a pinch me moment. It was um there's a uh a program called NASA Social where they invite well they don't invite but they well I'm sorry, they do invite social media and new media. The two things specifically, uh people that cover it to join these events. They have different events throughout the year. Uh, usually pretty significant to cover it for new media. The, the NASA is is huge and a lot of people a lot of big companies and corporations really need to take a lead from NASA. They are embracing social media well. But having said that, they don't just let everybody come in, so they had to apply. Uh, I was stumbling. Actually, as uh, Dave and Quint were coming to visit, I went, oh, let me see what's going on at Kennedy Space Center. Maybe something that hasn't happened before. We can go see that while they're here. And there wasn't. And I happened to say at the lower bottom, it said, be part of history orion launch nasa social i was like oh what is this i I knew of the nasa social i clicked on it said oh now taking applications for the maiden voyage of the orion capsule and i am i don't know i don't know how much we talk about on the show but i think i am a huge space i could probably talk more about real manned space flight than star wars fictional space flight not saying that that's a bad thing i just have followed that from the day I was born, I just always remember knowing about Apollo and then following the shuttle from the day it launched to the to the very last Atlantis landing here, just down the road, and now Orion. But anyway, I'm I'm really going off track. But uh, there was the opportunity to apply, and I'm reading through this, and it must have a social presence of this, and this is anal- analyzing all this, and all these things. I'm like, uh, I mean, Neosas kind of fits that, but I don't know that they'll look at what we do and consider us take us seriously, but. It's free to apply, you know, what the hell? I'll apply, typed everything in, all the information, which was, this is one of the most exhaustive forms I've ever had to fill out, which which makes sense because it's freaking NASA. I mean, they're <laughs> not just going to let any, they're going to weed out the, the crazies right off the bat best they can. Filled it out and just kind of, I wouldn't say forgot about it. I know I filled it out, but I kind of hit submit going, well, that's the last I'm going to hear of that. This was literally 12 midnight. On a weeknight, I don't know what weeknight, let's say Wednesday, I hear my phone go, Boom. everyone that has an iPhone knows that sound. I'm like, and normally I just be like, whatever, and I'll just get it in the morning. But I was like, I had my, I think I had my phone in my hand. I'm like, let me check at it. And it said, congratulations, you've been approved for whatever it was. And it said Orion EFT-1. And I just about like jumped through the roof i was about to get into bed and now i wasn't sleeping for hours i immediately text quinn i'm like are you awake he's like yeah and I'm like, i called him told him about it could not believe this was happening did have to fill out a second set of forms which was actually even more intensive than the first one but i did and my background check cleared fine which i i wasn't i knew there was nothing to find, so I knew I knew in my head I wasn't worried about it, but yet you're always thinking, what are they looking for? You know, who are they going to ask something, and they'll say I'm a crazy person and I won't be able to go. But the, then the approval came through, and then the realism hit that I was going to see the most significant space launch, start of the most significant space launch space program in my lifetime, and I was going to be there for the very first launch of it ever. I... I it, 
<laughs> you can see it's the, this is months <laughs> later. I'm still at a loss for words. This was the most, this is the best thing I've ever done in my life. And it was because of the work we've all done at News As. It wasn't just my effort, but it was everything everyone's done at News As. We built it to what it was. It's become a significant presence. It's not a nerdist. It's not a serial. It's not a slate. I know that. I'm not blind to that, but it is something. And it's something enough that NASA said, we'll let you cover this. And that meant more to me than I think anything we've done so far and still does and probably will most of my life. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I know that the all of us were so happy that you were able to get to do that because it's it's such a, a passion of yours. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I was. I, that's, it was a whole. I and well, I did a whole special on it. If if you really want to know, it ended up being a two day event. Event. I didn't even know this, and it was like I have seen parts of the space center. I have never in a million years dreamed. I'd ever step foot in. I'm not only step stepping foot in, but I'm like I'm sitting in seats at Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong and and uh, all these guys sat in in the freaking VAB for God's sakes. It was just uh, <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, <laughs> that says it all. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, something maybe life changing, then. The one thing we really haven't talked about is the Artmore project. And this was totally your conception from the beginning, like many of the things that go on. But uh, this, this was, this was your baby and you told, you told us about it and we were like, okay. And we, we tried to understand where you were going with it. And then seeing the concept become a reality and three years in have made tens of thousands of dollars um do you feel comfortable being called a philanthropist i guess i mean i'm not uncomfortable i I don't know that i'd call myself that yet i mean i've certainly i I guess i have a different number in mind when you be considered that i'm not uncomfortable saying it but it's or hearing being called that, but uh, I think there's more work to go for me to consider myself that, if that answers your question. Okay. Well, I'm ready to call you that already. Okay. <laughs> because, you know, I, you you always generously, when, when things when things get done on the show, you, you often generously say we instead of I. Like, your, your use of pronouns is very, is very generous. This is, this is, this is almost wholeheartedly an, an I on your half, on your behalf. And we, we've, the, the others of us have done stuff and, and really by we, it's you and your wife. Um, the, the amount of work that you've done in the name of children is uh, really something to be proud of. And I hope that, that you're insanely proud of yourself because you should be. And, and I hope that your dad <laughs> and, and thinking of your little podcast, yeah. Has has at some point let you know that as well because it's really something to be proud of and and to hear you say well this is you know this this could be so much more and you you know that that even adds to to the generosity that that you've done on this because it's it's it, the amount of time that it's taken I think that's been documented on the show yeah. how much time it takes for you to make each plate um, to contact the artist to send everything out with the pre-ship boxes uh, uh the the auction itself the art you've created yourself 
the shipping out of the final products, the contacting of, of auctioneers and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm, I mean, I, I don't know how many hours you've spent working on this. It's, it's, it's probably, you can't quantify it, but um, it's really something to be proud of. And, and I hope, I hope that you, I hope that you feel that way about it because I know that I admire I admire everything you've done with this. It's, it's really, it's really something else. Yeah. I'm certainly proud of it. I, I think I have a different sense of pride in it from my perspective than when people say they're proud of me for what I've done with it. Cause like I said, it's like I just said there, I always think there's more I could do, but that having said that, I, I'm certainly proud of what I've been able to do so far. Certainly I'm not by any means disappointed i i I, maybe it's a flaw or maybe it's a benefit i always think i can do better and always strive to do better but like i said a couple times now i i I am proud of of what i've done so far with it absolutely okay this uh this and and i guess i wanted to ask you too about the christmas specials because i know that this has been covered on some of the other interviews it's kind of morphed over the years that first special was was almost completely you as well. The writing, the writing of that script. I mean, you wrote that script. Yeah, like you sent it to us. That was all you. Uh, I guess my question is, and and really, when it came out, I remember Chris and I often have conversations like this. You'll send something out before it was sending them out like through email. Now, when you send things out, we'll get like a thing on on Facebook, like in this SoundCloud. Yes. Yeah. You know, so we get these things and like the technology has changed and Chris and I then will like talk to each other on the phone or text each other. Did, did you hear, did you <laughs> hear that? You know, like it's always one of these same conversations. Did you hear what Matt did? You know, it's always like something like that. It comes out as a professionally done radio drama. And I know you've always been keen on those. Um, would you rather record a scripted piece like these radio dramas, these Christmas specials, or do a live recording like the ones that we do? Uh, I don't know that I can give you an either or. I like doing them both for very different reasons. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know, man. I, 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 I think if I, ha- if I had to choose one or the other, it would have to be the live because there's so much less work in it than, mm-hmm. than, than this because live it, it, you capture what you capture whereas these radio dramas it's 95 percent post-production work so if i had to choose between the two i would pick the live but man i do love doing them both equally for very different reasons well it's good that you do get to do both yeah that's true this shows again provided us with the opportunity to be creative and and for i know like 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 the four of us and Christy too are, have all at some point in our life been involved in the creative arts, Mm -hmm. like whether it was art or, or acting or music or whatever. And as you get older, um, sometimes you lose the opportunities to do stuff like that. Yeah, It's a shame. It's like, it's like, you know, like I've played baseball all my life. Um, I, I miss playing baseball so much. You, you know, like you can get your buddies and, and play tennis or get a couple guys and play basketball. When, when are you going to get 17 of your other friends 
you know, and, and sit there and play and play baseball. You can't do it. You don't have the equipment, you don't have the men, you don't have, you can't do stuff like that. Yeah, true. I think that goes for the same with people who were maybe once creative people in their younger lives and then they get older and that part of their life goes away and it's, it's sad in a way. Uh, You're still getting to do that through this. Yeah. And, and and that's another thing that this show has provided. Yeah. In fact, these are uh, not only am I, able to still do them i'm doing things i had wanted to do but didn't have the technology or resources or the knowledge or all the above to do so not only am i able to continue doing things i'm able to do things i'd never been able to do before and not only because of that because the guys i'm working with you dave i mean you chris tim and well hell everybody on Neozaz are willing to do it because we do make it fun so the opportunities are there that weren't there back when i first wanted to do these however long ago that was yeah it's 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 all because of the show it's all because of the the network in general and like we said a lot of our our listeners have started doing their own shows not that we're taking credit for that they probably would have done it anyway but you know they they listen our show and we'll get we'll get them all the time we get messages all the time hey i started my own thing and they'll send us something and we'll put it on We'll put it on Facebook. You know, it's like if, if you're out there and you're thinking about doing this and you can do it. Yeah. Do it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like somebody will listen to it. And, and who cares if they don't? Because we didn't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. Yep. So, and, and I, I think I've, I've, we've always encouraged people to do that. Um, and, and no, no idea is, is too strange. You could, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you could come up with something. And it's like, I remember one of the guys that I was, uh, acting with this guy named Gorin. He was, I was like, you should do a show. He's a funny guy, young, funny guy. I was like, do a show. He's like, about what? I was like, about anything. Yeah. And he was like, he's like, all right. And he came back to me and he was like, I came up with a thing where my friends and I are going to get together and we're going to open fortune cookies live and record it and, and talk about the fortune. That's brilliant. Like, He's like, it's stupid, right? I'm like, it's brilliant. No, it's brilliant. Yeah. So there's, no, there's nothing stupid about it. What's he waiting for? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> don't anybody steal it. Cover it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> do you, how do you feel when we don't release? I know that it really bothers, it especially bothers Chris, I think, if we don't release things, if we fall behind on shows. How do you feel when we don't release something every week? It used to bother me. The first year, maybe in the first two years, it did really bother me, and I would get a little anxious the longer the time would go. But in the following years after that, it's just none of it is worth that anxiety. I mean, we've said it, and not to not to keep hammering it home, but we don't get paid for it. We, we'd get benefit out of it, but it's a free product. We don't get paid to do it. We certainly try. I mean, it may not seem like it when we do go dark for a month or two, there's a reason for it. It's not from lack of trying. It just happens. And I mean, I make, I still make the effort. I, I, when we aren't able to record for a month or two, I'm maybe the first one to say, how's this weekend look or whatnot. I try, but I don't get worked up over it because it's just not worth it. And it's going to probably affect something else somewhere along the way that doesn't need to be affected by it. And by that, I mean, it could be anything. I mean, say uh, Chris isn't the one to be able to record because of uh, 
he's moving or something. I might get angry that he's moved. And why on earth would I get angry because he's moving because the show isn't recording? That's stupid. So I just don't let it get to me the way I used to at all. I mean, it, it's just not worth it. Uh, the, like I've said a billion times on this show and on every other show I'm on, first and foremost, let's have fun as friends. And if we have a product out of it that people like, even better, even better all around. So if I'm causing a situation, or even in my head to myself, that's causing that fun to be affected, it's so not worth putting myself or anybody through that. All right. Now, I believe I'm at the part here where I'm going to ask. <laughs> right. I'm going to ask Matt what I what I have here as Matt's six questions. So Matt, if you don't like these questions, I know it's my own fault. That's your problem. All right. Number one, what is your favorite moment working on the series? Hey, you think I would have thought of these out ahead of time, but I forgot about that question. <laughs> you know the questions. Yeah, I know. Um, Man, this is like this is like a messed up test where you don't have to wait for the answer. <laughs> um, I'm gonna have to answer two for two different reasons again. And the, God, this I feel like a freaking idiot that I forgot this question, <clears throat> but I did. Um, the first question is, I don't remember what I said, and I think this is this isn't stealing your your answer, but it's similar to your answer. I don't remember what I said at that live show, but is when at the the room was at its peak, I said something that wasn't scripted and it wasn't in my notes, and the whole room laughed. I was like, "Yeah, I just did that." Yeah, that, that was awesome. A, that is a great feeling. My uh, my second favorite, or my my other one, tied for first, is the day after the release of the first Christmas special because I've gone on record on our documentary saying I thought. When I released that, I really thought we made a huge mistake, and the reaction I saw the next morning was a complete 180 from what I was expecting, and that made me feel really good, because that was a lot of work in a short amount of time, and people seemed to like it as much as we did, so I was very happy, and very never been that happy to be wrong about something in my life, so that was probably the, the one, those two right there would be tied for me. All right, we'll see if you remember this question. What is your least favorite moment? Uh, see, now this is the thing. I can tell you, it took me a struggle to find those two answers. I can tell you two dozen things in 30 seconds that I uh, my least favorite because I'm much more critical on the things that I look back on that I'm not proud of than I have the things I am proud of, as weird as that is. <laughs> but uh, I would say in general, I think there's there are a couple of things that I, I wish didn't happen, but none of them had long-term effects. But uh, I would say... I'm not proud of when we first started the show and started to get popular. I'm using air quotes. You can't see them that I would be really sturgeon on the way things are stringent on how things had to be done. It's like, we have to do a prequel, then a OT and you can't have two OTs in a row. And we have to release it on Friday at three o'clock and you have to do this and do that. And I'd send emails and I look back at them just in my head and go, what a, asshole what you know there was no reason for that and clearly i've never had a show that had any success so who am i to make any example so i'm least proud of how stringent i was at times in like our first year i don't even remember that well good see i'm glad things like that don't have long-term effects no. on anything like i don't think anything we've been through we've had there have been times where i think everyone's been mad at everybody else for something but it hasn't affected us and that's good that's good but that's the yeah. one I wish I wish I hadn't said some of those stupid things. It made me feel stupid for saying them later in life. And I'm glad it seems we've certainly all gone past that. Absolutely, because I don't even I don't even really know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So good, uh, good. <laughs> Forget I said anything. 
Well, it certainly didn't have a long-term effect because uh, I, I can't think of I can't think of anything like that. So. Okay. Don't worry about it. Okay. Well, now Dave and or, geez, I did it again. Chris and Tim are listening. Going, that's right. He was an asshole. Yeah. This is what Chris, this is what Chris and Tim talk about all the time. <laughs> that's they why I was leaving at episode seventy five. Yeah, they just don't involve me. <laughs> all right. Number three. What would you like to see added to the show? That is. It's weird because we're kind of doing it. I, when I wrote that question, I kind of was thinking I'd like to see more stuff outside of our format and specials. And now that that question is coming around to me, this is the fifth interview in a series of specials. We've done Chris's comic reading, which turned it into a, a audio drama piece. And where you, you just sent out the lyrics to your special and you've actually sent me your song recording. So that's actually kind of fruition without me intending it to. I'd like to see more outside for, of our format specials that still involve the four of us. And we're actually already doing that. I think hmm. serendipity. Yeah. Very cool. Now, what would you never want to see happen on or to the show? I think what I kind of just in a way described or was leading into, I, I would hate anything to come from the show that would affect anything between us personally like i'd hate i'd hate for the scenario in the april fools the second april fools episode to actually come true like we are someone's offered something and the rest of the guys get upset i'd hate for one of us to take ourselves too seriously and alienate us from the show or or maybe so seriously that someone walks off i'd hate something in the show to trigger a problem in a personal relationship between anybody because there's no need for that to happen yeah yeah, well, even it could happen. Tim said, even uh, <laughs> what did he say on that thing? Even the Beatles broke up or something. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and then he and then he started talking about Pete Best. <laughs> that was that was genius. Uh, all right, number five. What Star Wars character do you identify with most? I actually had to think about this answer for myself, and as as lame as this sounds. And I'm not taking it because he's the star of the original trilogy. I, I think Luke. And I'll tell you why. Because I think there was me growing up in Quakertown wanting to get out and see more of the world. Now, I didn't immediately do that and wouldn't even say I'm a worldly person by any means. But I think that desire to get out and do more was something I identified with then and probably to an extent now because there's still a lot of stuff I want to do and I'm getting up there. I'm not saying it's impossible. It just gets a little, little more difficult and a little more daunting and your experiences with the world tend to talk you out of taking more chances later in life. But it's, I still think I have that desire to want to do more and break away from where I'm at a little bit just about every day. So I'm going to go with Luke, whether people think I'm saying it because he's a star, because that's how I really feel. That's my answer. Yeah, that's nice. And you have, you, you have been, you, I think you're pretty well traveled for people that I know that are our age. I mean, and, and you're saying that it's still not enough for you. you right. You, you yep. still have places you want to go. Yeah. And it's things I want to do. Yep. Yep. Just like him. Well, good. I hope you don't have to lose your hand to do it. <laughs> I'd give my right hand to go to Japan. <laughs> all right number six if disney lets you add one thing to the star wars universe what would it be i mean it's got to be mob crim even though tim already gave that answer but how could you not want something that 
the four of us brought to life again more you tim and in uh you and you and tim but chris and i had our moments as well but the four of us brought a character to life people still talk about years later still comes up in the our fan community on facebook i would love to see him just walk by and like you know in the background and be credited as you know uh kristen uh, j simpson is mov crim or something you know that would oh, be that, that would be perfect yeah. he would be the perfect person to do it he would he would i would love to i would love to have mov even in the even in rebels doesn't have to be a movie just somehow in canon and then maybe finally get an entry on wikipedia yeah right <laughs> and christian j simpson would probably end up suing us anyway. <laughs> <Right>. jerk <laughs> that would be cool yeah like if if we get to pick the actor i think i think it definitely has to be him yeah yeah him or ra dickie yeah oh yeah that's a good one too but, and and coincidentally of course i'm sitting here watching baseball while we're doing <laughs> um ra dickie just 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 so when they're hearing this weeks from now all right, Dickie pitched it to a no decision tonight. Oh wow! <laughs> um, just just to let everyone know. That's funny. I'm 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 multitasking too. I just I've been sniping a uh, set of auctions on eBay for Halloween Horror Night event guides, so to complete my collection. So we're both both multitasking with our st- various interests. I think we all do that. Yeah. <laughs> like while we're recording, that's another. That's a good. That's another good question. What do you spend the most time looking at online or? Or doing while we're recording. Oh God, that's tough because that could be that could be anything. I mean, it really could. I would say most of the time I'm online. It is show related. It's like it will be because something comes up that no one has an answer for, and I will go look it up. And you'll hear me say it in the show. I'll say like this: Oh, I just found it. It's this, that, and the other thing. But there are sometimes I am so off the beaten path. I am like on on hhn rumors if it's if it's in the fall for halloween horror night stuff i could be on facebook i could be on cnn i could be uh looking up sign i could be i've signed up for races while we're recording it i could be it could be anything that's awesome he was an episode this is when i signed up for the, the <laughs> yep, color run exactly yep <laughs> You can hear Matt furiously typing in the background, zombie run. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, your last question to everybody was, uh, is there anything that you'd like to add or say before we wrap this up? No, I think between I've, I've had the opportunity to talk more than everybody because I've been interviewing and I've been throwing my two cents in here and there. So I, th- I think I've said everything. I mean, I, I obviously want to thank anyone that's listened to this and continues to listen to the show. I I don't think I can ever thank anyone enough for taking time to listen to us. And I try to do that every opportunity I can. And I'll take this opportunity to say thank you for listening and thank you for all the support through the years. But uh, other than that, I think I've said all I need to say and probably more than people want to hear. So I will stop there <laughs> and leave it at that. That's good. We should, well, not good that you're stopping yeah. there. I've, I've enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, me too. And, and this was a good idea. And this is the kind of thing that, like you said, um, we we can branch out and do little things like this. And if people don't, if people don't want to listen to it, that's understandable. They can stick to the regular episodes. But for people who want a little more, there's there's stuff like this. Yep. And I've had a couple people either message or post on Facebook or. or- probably through both channels suggesting i do it for everybody involved with news as down the road and i might just do that talk to dave and quint and lou and and a couple other new guys on the new shows and greg oh god greg would be a great one i think people would need to hear that one 
That would be good. Yeah. So I may do that. I may continue this and then who knows, maybe parlay it in another show, another talk to other podcasters, but that's, that's, I, I, I don't even know. I should even leave that in, but I, I may talk to the other news as guys throughout the year. You're always podcasting. <laughs> you're, you're always thinking. Yeah. That's what my wife says. She always says, what were you thinking? <laughs> Well, thank you for uh, coming up with this, and, and thank you for letting all of us be a part of this. And, and you've, even though this is this is something that you created with Dave, you've always said, especially recently, that it's not like your thing, it's our thing. So you've always been very gracious about that, and I want to thank you for that as well. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I do mean that i don't say that to keep everyone motivated i think anyone that takes time out of their day uh, or time out of their lives we all have things going on to add to this thing dave and i did start it but if if you've contributed to it you are a part of it and i say that because i want people to understand that and believe it uh, i i don't think anybody no matter who they are that have participated in news as is any less important than dave or i and i truly Really mean that, and including yourself as well, of course. And thank you for taking time to do this interview because if you didn't do it, I didn't know who was going to. So without you, this, this episode would have never happened. No, no sweat. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Star Wars in Character. Star Wars in Character is part of the NeoZaz.com network of podcasts. For more great podcasts and original entertainment, please visit www.neozaz.com. Star Wars in Character is not affiliated with nor endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited or 20th Century Fox. Star Wars and all Star Wars universe characters, places, or Star Wars related items are the copyright of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. Visit www.swic.neozaz.com for the latest Star Wars in Character episodes and information.